Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Susanna Alter here for another episode in our plant-based life cycle nutrition series. We are now moving on to talking about infant nutrition. Um, This has been a topic that I've been geeking out on a little bit ever since Grace has been born, my eight-month-old. Gosh, time flies so fast. She's already eight months old. Um, But in this episode, we're going to be talking specifically about the nutrition for ages zero to six months. And then in the next week's episode, we're going to be talking about nutrition for six to 12 month olds or seven to 12 month olds, because uh, the nutrition really does change quite a once we start introducing solids around six months. So yeah, so in this episode, we're just going to keep it basic and talk about those first six months. And really, I mean, nutrition really is quite simple for these first six months, because it's recommended that babies either eat primarily breast milk or formula. And, you know, in this episode, we're not going to go into the whole debate around breast milk versus formula, but it is helpful to know that breast milk is considered the optimal source of nutrition for early infancy. Um, Of course, you know, commercial baby formula um, tries to mimic everything in uh, human breast milk. Excuse me. And it really is the only acceptable um, alternative to human breast milk, Um, you know, like cow's milk or goat's milk. um, It's not recommended. Um, But human breast milk is considered the optimal source. And that's because it truly does include all the nutrition that the baby needs. There, you know, there's some debate around vitamin D and we're gonna be talking about that. Um, The recommendation currently from the American Academy of Pediatrics is for infants to supplement with vitamin D. And we're gonna talk about why that is. But yes, human breast milk, it's called, you know, the perfect food, the perfect food for babies. Um, You know, let's just talk about briefly some of the benefits of breastfeeding uh, for infants, but also for mother. It's been shown that breastfeeding reduces the risk of SIDS, reduces the risk of infant mortality, respiratory tract infections, severe or persistent diarrhea, otitis media, which is ear infections, asthma, eczema, 
Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, these kind of um, these kind of autoimmune digestive conditions, uh, childhood and adult obesity, type one and type two diabetes, and even reducing the risk of leukemia. Now for mothers, we also receive a benefit from breastfeeding. And, you know, last two weeks ago, we really talked about um, nutrition for the lactating mother, but we didn't really talk about the fact that breastfeeding does for the mother, reduced risk of type 2 diabetes, um, also hypertension, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and endometrial cancer. Um, so the benefits are great. And I know there are certainly situations where um, it's it's not feasible for the mother to breastfeed. Um, there's many, many different obstacles that can come up in that journey. And of course, there's the saying that fed is best, and it really is true. Um, you know, we just want to make sure our babies are nourished and getting the vitamins and minerals and other nutrients that they need, whether it is from breast milk or from formula. Um, so talking also about some of the other compounds in breast milk that are so helpful, um, in addition to all the vitamins and minerals that the baby needs, um, breast milk also contains antimicrobial factors that helps to reduce uh, risk of infections, also contains um, immunoglobulins from the mother. So our own IgG, our own immunoglobulins that we've built up um, as our innate immune defense against certain pathogens and toxins, we can actually share that with our infant when they drink our breast milk. Uh, breast milk also includes enzymes, hormones, other kind of biological factors that you're not going to get in um, formula that also really support the baby's health. Um, so, you know, for all these reasons, it makes sense that breastfeeding does reduce the risk of all those conditions we talked about just now for the infant. And that's why, once again, it is considered um, the optimal fuel source for infants. Um, and so once again, to kind of clarify what's recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics right now is that infants are exclusively breastfed or receiving, uh, you know, an iron fortified commercial, commercially available um, formula from ages zero to six months. And then around six months is when we start introducing complementary foods, which is exciting. However, it's still recommended that breast milk or in, um, or formula or and or breast milk and formula, if, you, if, if uh, mothers are doing a combination of that, um, is still the primary or sorry, still the primary, still the primary I don't know why I put that emphasis on that syllable, but still the primary source of calories for infants in the first year. And we'll be talking about that more in next week's episode. Um, don't, don't mean to jump the gun here, right? Um, but yeah, let's just kind of review some things that we talked about in our episode on nutrition for the lactating mother, because we did in that episode talk about which vitamins and minerals are um, highly dependent on the mother's intake or the mother's nutritional status um, in order to provide adequate levels in her breast milk. And so those vitamins and minerals are vitamin A, vitamin B1, B2, B3, B6, B12, vitamin C, iodine, vitamin K, and omega-3 fatty acids. So the mother needs to have good uh, adequate levels of all of those nutrients in order 
for her to have good levels for her baby and her milk. All of the other vitamins and minerals, surprisingly, actually um, doesn't depend so much on the mother's intake because our body knows how to kind of draw these nutrients from the mother's body to impart them into the milk for her baby. Um, so cool how the human body works that way. But with those nutrients like calcium is the big one that comes to mind, we do want to make sure that the mother is still getting an adequate source of calcium and all of those other nutrients so that she doesn't become deficient uh, in this lactating breastfeeding phase of life. Um, but yeah, so so this really brings up this question. Is there is there anything that needs to be supplemented in these first six months? Um, you know, if breast milk is the perfect food for infants, does, you know, is there any, any other nutrients that we need to be concerned about uh, that the baby gets directly? Not, not necessarily, you know, what does the mother need to supplement with? We talked about that two episodes ago. Um, but is there, is there anything that the baby needs in terms of a direct supplement? And it is recommended now by the American Academy of Pediatrics that infants do receive a vitamin D supplement of 400 IU vitamin D a day. And this is because while vitamin D is present in mother's milk, um, it, it's, it's not, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not real. It's relatively low, um, you know, in terms of other nutrients that we find in, in, in breast milk, vitamin D is relatively low, but also mothers, if, if their levels are not at a good level, if they don't have good vitamin D status, then they're not going to have good vitamin D levels in their milk for the baby. And vitamin D deficiency has become such a common thing um, in our culture, in our society, and it depends on many factors, right? Our skin tone, where we're living, our latitude, um, you know, whether whether we spend more time inside versus spending time in the sun. There's many, many factors. Um, and it is becoming more of a common practice to do a screening vitamin D blood test every year, which is great to check in on vitamin D levels, but it's definitely not standard standard of care right now um, for you know most conventional doctors. And it's also not standard of care for really kind of the prenatal um, testing as well. So yes, so vitamin D status, um, you know, it's just not reliably adequate in mothers to ensure that their babies are um, going to be getting enough vitamin D in their milk. And that's why it has become kind of this universal recommendation for all babies to um, supplement with 400 IU a day. Um, interestingly, there are studies showing that um, there's an alternative way for babies to get vitamin D um, rather than just this direct supplementation. And it's been shown that if mothers supplement with 4,000 to 6,000 IUs a day, that this actually will increase her status enough so that she um, is essentially um, imparting enough vitamin D into her breast milk for the baby to get adequate levels as well, adequate intake as well. And so this randomized controlled trial concluded that maternal vitamin D supplementation with 640 IU a day, so they were specifically looking at this one dose of 640 IU a day, 
safely supplies breast milk with adequate vitamin D to satisfy her nursing infant's requirement and offers an alternative strategy to direct infant supplementation. So um, I think it's just helpful to know that, you know, there is a, an alternative out there depending on uh, what works best for the mother and their baby. And of course, you'd be wanting to talk to the baby's pediatrician about these decisions. Um, but yes, and of course, you know, I, I didn't go into why vitamin D is so important for our babies. But, um, you know, mainly one of the big things that we think about is bone health. Of course, we need vitamin D to absorb bones. And um, vitamin D deficiency is one of the things that can lead to rickets. Um, so we want to make sure that vitamin D levels are good in our growing children. Okay, so vitamin D, we, we got that one out of the way. And, and <clears throat> really, I mean, that, that really is the one nutrient that, um, that is talked about in terms of supplementation, except also for iron. And so iron is a very interesting um, thing to talk about in this age range as well, because it's interesting to know that babies actually acquire 80% of their iron stores in the third trimester of pregnancy. Um, and then when they are born, they generally have enough iron stores for the first four to six months of life. And that's when, you know, we start introducing complementary foods into the diet um, so that they have a dietary source of iron. Um, and you might be wondering, well, what about breast milk? Does breast milk contain iron? And yes, it does. But also iron is relatively low in breast milk compared to some of the other nutrients that breast milk is really, really rich in. And so, um, so really, it's, you know, we, we don't really consider iron supplementation unless uh, the infant is at risk, uh, a higher risk of anemia. And we think about, okay, well, what situations would this, you know, would, would cause a higher risk of iron deficiency anemia. And because the baby does acquire so much of their iron in the third trimester, it makes sense that Babies who are born prematurely or preterm are at higher risk of developing iron deficiency in that fourth month um, kind of period. So, um, yeah, full. So to clarify, full term babies have sufficient iron stores to last them at least, you know, the first four to six months of life. Um, but it is kind of a universal recommendation for uh, preterm infants to get some amount of supplemental iron at some point. Um, so yeah, but there's this question still because, because actually the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, pediatrics, excuse me, currently actually does recommend that infants who are exclusively or even partially breastfed receive one milligram of supplemental iron from four to six months until they start introducing iron-rich foods into the diet. Um, so that's, you know, currently our country's kind of um, organization, that's their recommendation. However, if you look at other health organizations around the world, we look at, you know, uh, the Canadian pediatric recommendations and European pediatric recommendations, they don't endorse 
iron supplementation for healthy full-term infants in this age range. And that's because there just isn't really strong evidence that there's any benefit to doing so. Um, We know that we need iron for good neurodevelopment, for good growth, for so much, but um, there's no evidence that that there's any benefit for these full-term babies to be receiving supplemental iron uh, four to six months of age. Um, There's even some evidence that there might be a negative impact on growth and even an increased risk of infection um, with supplemental iron in this age range. Um, So, you know, rather than thinking, you know, and this is a decision that you'd want to make, of course, with your pediatrician to decide whether or not to supplement iron at this time. But it's just helpful to know that the ways, the best ways to reduce iron deficiency from the get-go are to opt for delayed cord uh, cord clamping, excuse me, um, which, you know, is a procedure done right when the baby is born. Um, oftentimes the cord is, um, you know, it, the cord is cut right away or clamped right away. And the baby doesn't get these last pulsations of blood coming from the placenta. Um, but this was something that we opted for in our um, what ended up being a hospital birth, um, we we asked them to wait until there was like no more blood in the cord uh, for them to clamp it and and cut it, um, so that you know they could just we could just make sure that Grace was getting all that good nutrition, nutrients, oxygen, iron, everything um, from that placental blood. Uh, another good way to reduce iron deficiency is, of course, at six months, start right away with um, you know with offering iron rich foods to the baby. We'll be talking so much more about that in next week's episode. Um, And then of course, if the baby is receiving formula, make sure that you choose an iron fortified formula. Um, And generally those, those, um, those iron fortified formulas have um, about, you know, the daily requirement of, of iron in about one liter of formula. Um, so it's formulated to be a good amount for the baby, of course, of course. Um, so to kind of reiterate some situations where supplementation might be recommended, re- might be recommended, um, you know, if the baby is at higher risk for developing anemia, we already talked about how preterm babies are at higher risk. Also low birth weight, um, you know, often if there's any kind of intrauterine growth restriction and the baby is born at a low birth weight, um, that's due to them not getting adequate blood flow from the placenta. So there could be a higher risk of uh, iron deficiency anemia. Um, Also, if if mother's levels are low, that could increase risk of anemia, of course. Um, Also, if mother had issues during pregnancy, including gestational diabetes, hypertension, these could also impact the amount of iron um, delivered to the baby. And then, of course, if the baby has been having GI issues in those early months of life as well, and maybe not absorbing all the nutrition from um, their breast milk, this could be another reason to consider supplementation. So once again, just good things to bring up um, when you're making your decisions with your pediatrician. 
All right. So really, you know, um, let's see how far into this episode are we? 17 minutes. Great. You know, iron and vitamin D are really the only two nutrients to kind of dive more deeply into in this phase um, because everything is found in abundance in breast milk or formula. Um, and, and to be clear, formula also has vitamin D and iron in it. So if the baby is exclusively formula fed, they're not going to need a vitamin D supplement. They're not going to need an iron supplement. Um, I'd also like to say, too, that um, that soy formula, there's, you know, discussions out there about whether plant-based formula is inferior to cow milk formula. And soy formula, it's been studied, has no, there's no negative effects uh, of the baby receiving, you know, these phytoestrogens is the term, or really uh, estrogen mod modulating phytonutrients is the term that we prefer. Um, there's no, there's no negative effects, um, you know, to having exposure to these phytonutrients early in life. Um, so soy formula is not considered, you know, inferior to cow formula. However, it has been studied that cow formula is better for preterm, premature um, babies. And I'm not actually sure as to why that is. Would have to look more deeply into the actual studies and science behind that. Um, but just something to consider. Also, just want to say a brief note on vitamin K. Vitamin K is um, a, a nutrient that um, if, if, deficient can cause serious bleeding in the baby. And that's why now it is standard practice for uh, newborns to receive a single injection of vitamin K when they're born. Um, you know, this is because if mother is deficient in vitamin K um, and, and considering that vitamin K is also relatively low in breast milk, um, that could then lead to vitamin K deficiency in a newborn and um, could increase this, this risk of bleeding if there is any kind of um, you know, in, internal injury during the birth process, or if there is any kind of accident. Um, so that's why it's become standard practice. Um, however, it's just good to know that there, there's always options and there is actually an oral option um, that parents can opt for. Um, you know, there's several different protocols you'd want to work with a, with a specialist who knows the exact vitamin K um, the exact oral vitamin K protocol to make sure that the baby is getting the adequate dosage of vitamin K every week to prevent, um, you know, the risk of this vitamin K deficiency bleeding. Um, but yeah, just to know that, um, just to inform you that there are other options if, um, you know, parents are wanting to opt away from, um, from the vitamin K uh, shot or injection. All right. So, Let's see. In summary, I just want to kind of, you know, make it simple, put it out there very simply, just kind of bullet point everything we talked about. Uh, nutrition for zero to six months, that breast milk or formula is really the only thing the baby needs. It, it is the only thing that's recommended for the baby until six months. Um, we didn't get into the debate around, you know, also when to introduce foods. Some people may introduce foods before six months if their baby is showing signs of readiness and everything. But American Academy of Pediatrics suggests introducing food, you know, around six months. Um, before then, all you need is breast milk or formula. Um, baby or mom, supplement with vitamin D to ensure adequate levels in the breast milk or adequate levels directly to baby. Um, 
perhaps maybe supplement with uh, iron uh, if baby is at higher risk of developing iron deficiency anemia due to the factors we talked about. Talk about that with your pediatrician. And then um, my other bullet point here, I already kind of talked about just planning to introduce solids around six months to bring in the complementary food, that dietary source of of iron and uh, to, to start that whole fun process of uh, the baby learning how to feed themselves, which is so much fun. Okay, everyone. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. And I'm so excited to come back next week to talk about nutrition for uh, six to or really seven to 12 months of age and in infancy. Um, this is when it gets exciting, right? This is where we get to bring in all of our yummy, nutrient dense, nourishing whole plant foods. I know in today's episode, we didn't even really talk about, um, you know, any kind of considerations for plant-based babies. Um, but, you know, it's because we already talked about, you know, two episodes ago that um, there's no negative effects of the mother being solely plant-based um, for their breastfeeding infant. Actually, there are benefits in that her breast milk, uh, generally it's been studied, contains fewer environmental toxins um, due to the fact that she's not ingesting animal products, which bioaccumulate toxicity. Um, so anyway, don't need to go on that tangent again. We'll see you next week for another episode. Looking forward to it. Bye for now.